and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9 to 42, which is the podcast from the guys at the Guitar Show UK. Uh, and my very good, if slightly cheeky friend, <laughs> Jason Hunt, uh, is on screen. Jace, how the devil are you? I'm very good, mate. I'm really good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm not bad. I've got my uh, I've got my my COVID booster booked for Friday. Oh, you lucky devil! Mine's the first of December. Well, I I might get turned away because technically it's a day early, but I think oh. I'm probably going to just about get away with it. I think you'll be fine. I think I'll be fine. So I'm I'm prepping myself for that that kind of 24 hours of feeling a bit shitty that everybody keeps telling me is is the is the booster thing. Yeah, yeah. You know. I was chatting to some people at uni the other day, and they were telling me they'd had it and they felt awful for twenty four hours. Right. Okay. Oh, so you know, oh, oh, thank, <laughs> something thanks. to look and forward th- to. And, and thanks for going with the word awful. <laughs> uh, very kind of you. Um, and our special guest today. Um, and I was trying to think about how the hell I was going to introduce him, but in reality, the, the simplest way of introducing our guest is just to tell you who it is, because that will be introduction enough. We're, um, we're very pleased to have Patrick Eggle with us. Uh, Pat, how are you? Fine, thank you. Nice to um, hear all about your COVID shots. <laughs> and everything. Yeah, well, well, yeah, well, welcome to 9 to 42. I mean, if you think this is going to have anything other than a bit of chatter about what's going on in our lives, you've, uh, you know, you've, you've kind of missed the point. Uh, I haven't had my booster yet, but... Um, I'm sure I will soon. Uh, well, yeah. Hopefully. Well, when, when are you due? We might as well find out a bit. You know, when are you due for a booster? I don't know. Um, I haven't had the date yet. Right. I'm expecting it soon. Right. right. Yeah. Just waiting you for know, that I'm getting text. old. Yeah. You're getting yeah. old. <laughs> Well, since we started this call, <laughs> is that is that what's doing it? And I've been travelling recently. I went to the Netherlands last weekend, and uh, it was a absolute nightmare. If there was ever any pleasure in travel and flying to different countries, it's completely gone. Um, that's all I can tell you about that. Business or pleasure in the Netherlands? It was both. Oh no! Look, now someone's trying to call me. <laughs> Was it anybody exciting? No, it was a friend of mine. We're going to a gig tonight. Oh, who are you going to see? I can't remember. No. But, it, <laughs> but this is Southport. That's all I know. And he's driving. So you're going to a gig. You're not driving. You haven't got a clue who you're going to see. Oh, I just want to go out. Right. <laughs> Listen, in 40 minutes, you really will want to go out. <laughs> I thought we could just kind of run over your guitar building history because... Well, I interviewed Rob Williams um, a couple of weeks ago, who I believe at one point actually worked for you. How is he? Uh, he's absolutely in fine fettle. Top um, chap. Yes. Yeah, he is. He is. Nice guy. And uh, he was telling me that like, he was 22 or something, and you were about the same age. And that was the start of Patrick Eggle, as it was then, in what, 1990, something like that? Around then, yeah. The thing that struck me when I was chatting to Rob really was how young were you when you decided to start making guitars for a living and and why? Well, when I decided to start making guitars for a living, I was very young. I was like 15, but um, it didn't work out. You know, um, I made one or two at home. I made one from a kit. I think it was called a double eagle or a black eagle or something, just like a, like in the very early days, you know, just a kit of parts. Would it, have, would it have been one of those Brandoni kits or something that was like, because we're about the same age and they were always yeah. being advertised in the guitar mag. I think it was called a double eagle kit. And I think I bought it from Machine Head in Hitchin. Right. And uh, I remember the body was like weighed about 50 kilos. It was made <laughs> of like really heavy mahogany laminated with something else, but it looked really cool. Uh, and that was just like a self-assembly thing. And then the first actual guitar that I made was a classical guitar that I made in my dad's workshop garden shed. Uh, 
which was um, a bit of a disaster, but it was a good experience, you know. Yeah. Did everything at home uh, with, with no none of the proper tools or jigs or anything. Uh, that's how you do it, right? That's how you do it. <laughs> I so say you do it. I hung it up over the over the dining table and painted the lacquer on with a brush. And it was like the whole living room, the whole house was full of cellulose fumes. You know, a very understanding parents. But I mean, the point is that that um, after that, I went to the London College of Furniture to kind of learn how to build guitars. Right. Uh, and then I tried doing it for a living when I left and it didn't work out because I hadn't mm. got a clue. So um, I kind of walked away from it and I, and I did other things, you know, I worked as a groundsman and I drove a tractor and uh, I fitted kitchens and I worked in a wood machine shop and I worked in a um, plastic fabrication place and all sorts of boring jobs before I decided that I couldn't take it anymore. I had to build guitars, uh, which I think was when I was 26. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so this would have been in Coventry. That was down in St Albans, uh, but so I was working on my own for a little while, mm. um, out of a workshop which was in a barn that I rented on a farm. Uh, so I was building guitars in there on my own, and I had like you know, like bats nesting on the wall and. Horses being born around the back and all sorts of things. So it was quite, you know, it was quite rural and you know, nice and everything. But uh, it wasn't wasn't extremely practical. Uh, and it was while I was there that I sort of got a few dealers in the UK. I think I built my dealer network up to twelve, which was quite a lot actually for yeah. one one person. And I was really getting disillusioned with it again and uh i went up and did the northern guitar show which was the one of the guitarist shows you know yeah. up at you missed university you missed the, of yeah, manchester 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 institute of science and technology and i went out there in my mum's allegro i had to borrow her oh. car the old uh, the old poo colored uh oh. mustard uh, oh, that's, older a, good shout. that's um, a good shout. Was it the vinyl roof the, version? It wasn't the vinyl roof version, but I'll tell you what, I had all this kind of all these roll-up banners and everything, all this stuff in the back, and I couldn't close the boot. So I drove all the way up the M1 with the boot slightly open, held down with rope. And the and actually because of the because of the um the sort of uh, centrifugal thing all the exhaust fumes were blowing back into the car. <laughs> and by the time I got to Manchester, I was off my face. <laughs> it wouldn't be allowed these days. No. <laughs> but it was like the Wild West back then, wasn't it? So yeah. What, when you look at it. What sort of year would that have been? That would have been, yeah, that would have been when I was about 26, 27. So I was born in at the end of 64. So, right. you know, work it out, I guess. But um, yeah, right. Kind so of, that's uh, that's nineteen ninety ish. Yeah, ish. Right, ish. Maybe eighty nine. I only went to that show once, but I've got a sneaking suspicion it might have been that year. I've got. I found a ticket the other day. I've still got my ticket. <laughs> Why? I don't know. <laughs> I, I I really don't know. There's I've I've a fascination with keeping tickets, theatre tickets, gig tickets, football match tickets. I've got a I've got a thing full of tickets. It's about the only yeah. thing I hoard because you can hoard them in a really small box. <laughs> and I make um, I make bookmarks out of them. I laminate them and I use them as bookmarks and things like that. But I'm sure when I was going through, and I think it was because it was my first year at university and it was stuck to my notice board. And all the st- and, and everything that came off my university notice board, I've still got in a little box, including that including that ticket. I have a friend down in Bristol who's got uh, like a wall of all the tickets for all all the gigs that he's been to. And it's incredible, you know, and I saw it and I thought, God, I wish I'd done that. You know, it's too late now, but all the great people he's seen. There's a, there's a, there's a a picture there. There's a framed load of tickets there, Sheffield United tickets there. And then if you go up my stairs, there's four frames full of tickets as you go up my stairs. So two, two, 
two one's football, two gigs, and one's theatre. It's your life, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. You know. To be fair, when I was in at the NEC last week sorting out the guitar show tickets, they said, "Do you want print at home tickets or actual tickets?" And I went, mm, "I still want actual tickets, please." I think it's just yeah, it's nicer to receive than an email. So, so hang on a minute. You started by ripping the piss of me on, on this, and now you've come back round, haven't you? Well, I've done it for others rather. Than, I've done it for you. I'll give right. you a ticket. I, I think you've done it because Patrick thinks it's a good idea as well, and you're now. <laughs> Anyway, so you get to the You Miss show and uh, what happens? So it got to the You Miss show and it was kind of because uh, I, I was really struggling and I thought, I'm not really going to do this anymore. It's too hard work. And um, and I thought, I'll just do this show as a last ditch thing. And I did the show and I sold a few bits and bobs. And I met up with this guy, um, Andrew who uh, really wanted to sort of get into the music industry uh, as his last business before he decided to pack everything in and retire. And uh, so I hooked up with him at that show. And he was the guy that made the, the sort of launch of the whole Patrick Eggle brand happen, really, and funded it mm. and ran it and enabled me to just get on with building guitars. But it was a it was quite a stressful three years to be honest. So <laughs> uh, he just I didn't realise what he had planned. You know, I was just building guitars out of my shed, and I hadn't got a clue about the, the wider world. You know, and uh, and um, the next thing I knew, he bought this bloody great big factory, and uh, said, "Go on then, <laughs> get on with it." And we were trying to. We employed a few a few guys and we were trying to build guitars on these benches that were being put up and there were electricians like walking over the benches as we were trying to trying to build build things and everything. And it was just it was just really, yeah, it was really stressful and difficult for kind of three years. Um, but we did build a lot of guitars and uh a lot of them were really, really nice, you know. Mm. Uh so I think we achieved quite a lot. So you moved from St Albans to Coventry. Were you there when it ended up in the back of musical exchanges? No. In Birmingham? No, you'd gone by no, that point. I'd left by that point. Right. Basically, basically, the company kept running out of money, mm. right? And um, every time it ran out of money, um, it needed more investment. And everybody's shareholding got reduced. And the pressure to produce more guitars increased (laughs) (laughs) and um i was i was sort of spending most of my time um sort of attending board meetings and production meetings and uh not really doing anything creative at all and it was very very unpleasant uh and uh in the end i just kind of snapped i think and uh I don't really remember what the thing was that made me walk in the end, but it was something quite small and so insignificant. I can't even actually remember. Mm. And, on, and, on, and on one of the days, one of the last days that I was there, it might even been the day that I left, Andrew said, oh, Patrick, we've got Tony Iommi in the boardroom. Do you want to come and say hello? And I said, no, you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just walked out. When you walk out, do you, do you move to the States straight away? Or did you do something before you move? The first thing I did was I moved back down south. I basically chucked everything that I owned pretty much then in the back of my car and drove back down to St. Albans and uh, booked a holiday. And I went away for about three weeks and uh, got my head back together. And, uh, and then I just sort of started again. I started working out the basement of a shop in St. Albans. Hmm. And just because I felt that I'd gone from sort of working on my own, doing repairs and building a few electric guitars, to suddenly having to work out how to build guitars en masse, which I guess I never did very well, to um, suddenly being sort of unemployed again. So I just set myself up again in the basement of a shop um, uh, doing repairs and building the odd custom guitar and kind of 
going back to the beginning and learning the craft again from the beginning without mm. being under all the pressure of having to produce 200 guitars a month or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, that was a pretty good time, to be honest. I really enjoyed that. And then, and yeah. then how'd you get to the, how'd you get to the USA then? What, what kind of triggers that? Well, while I was in the basement of the shop, um, I had a couple of orders for acoustic archtop guitars, which I really enjoyed building. And although it wasn't easy because this basement, I mean, if I had my boots on, I couldn't stand up straight and, uh, it was, it was very limited on space. Um, so I kind of bought a house. The house had a pretty decent sized workshop with it. And so there I am in my house building archtop guitars, um, selling them mainly to people in America. And the thing was that at the time the maple and the spruce was coming from America for the guitars. Mm. Um, the cases were coming from America. The pickups were being made in America. I think even the lacquer was coming from America. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought, you know, I may as well be in America because it just make everything a lot simpler. Mm. Uh, so that's how come I decided to move over there. And also around about that time I got married and we had our first kid, Archie, you know, and uh, so we moved over to North Carolina nice. with one little baby and we'd been there a week and then we realized we were going to have another one. So that was interesting. So my youngest son, Joe, was born in North Carolina, but we were only there for two years. Right. We were in a great spot. We were in uh, uh, near a town called Hendersonville, near Asheville in Western North Carolina. It's up in the mountains. We moved over there. The first place we went was Charlotte, but it was so hot. I just couldn't bear it, to be honest with you. And I said, oh, I've been over here before and I passed through this town called Asheville. It's up in the mountains and it's really nice. Let's try that place out, you know, because it's going to be a bit cooler. Yeah. Um, so we moved up there. Uh, it was great. Rented a house and uh, started building guitars in the basement again. <laughs> Um, although then we were building mainly kind of flat top steel strung guitars. Yeah, I, I was going to say that because you you kind of from like observing it, you know, from the outside, it looked like you you started off with electric guitars, then that you'd walked away from that, and then you sort of came back and it was all acoustic instruments. Is that yeah. kind of right? When I when I split with the old company. Um, we had a bit of a kind of a gentleman's handshake agreement. It was like, you know, I'm going to carry on using my name. And I said, well, you can't. And I said, well, I am, blah, blah. And we had a bit of a bit of a gentleman's agreement. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll just build acoustic guitars and you build electric guitars and that'll be that, mm. you know. But, of course, the company's been sold and sold since then. Um, so I went back to building acoustics at the time. And then I was building arch tops and I was building flat top acoustics. And um, so, yeah, I've sort of sort of uh, dabbled in most things, really. We, built, we even built a few bases back, at, back in the old factory, but not many. But I've tried most things. But I think with electric, solid body electrics, I'm sort of back on terra firma, really. It's where I feel mm. I like to be. Because... The acoustics were, were seeming to get a, a lot of press. I mean, you got Frank Turner playing one, hadn't you? It was Frank Turner's signature model, I think, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, how does that come about? How does it come about? Um, uh, just um, I knew a guy who knew a guy, and somehow we got in touch. Mm. I think I think Frank came up here when he was... Um, it was after he left the punk band and just when yeah. he was starting... Million Dollar Dead? Is that what they were called? Million Dead, I think, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Million Dead. And um, I wouldn't say he was a nobody then, but he wasn't on my radar. Yeah. Um, so he was just a guy that basically came in and I think his guitar had been broken or stolen or something and he needed another guitar, so he helped him out with that. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay. And, then, and then you sort of slide back into launching Patrick James Eggle electric guitars. Yeah. 
And I, I suppose, really, I mean, it, you every time I read a review, it's kind of like a gold award or a 10 out of 10 or, or something, you know, which must be quite pleasing for you. Well, there's a lot of effort that goes into it. So yeah. it is it is pleasing, but um, it's kind of knowing the amount of work we put into it and the amount of work we put into sort of getting it right. Mm. It's not when we get one, it's less of a, oh, that's amazing. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, like it's more of a relief that yeah. uh, it's all worked out and that the guy reviewing it gets it, you know, and hopefully understands what he's doing and gets what we're doing. So, so where does the, where does the new company start? Because you're in Oswestry now, aren't you? Which is obviously yeah, right away from St Albans. Oh, I think he's getting another call. Sorry, no, it was a <laughs> low power mode thing. I'm running out of battery, but we'll be fine. <laughs> we got twenty percent left, and we need to wrap this up quickly. We've got about <laughs> ten minutes. <laughs> I never work on anything higher than twenty percent. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so you how do how do you end up in Oswestry with the new company? Uh, while I was in America, we went to the uh, we exhibited at the Summer Nam Show mm. in Nashville. Yeah, uh, probably mainly as a reason just to go to Nashville, to be honest. But um, so we were at the Summer Nam Show, and while we were there, I ran into an old friend of mine, Brian Cleary. Ah. Um, who I hadn't seen for donkey's years. Uh, and um, the, the last time that I'd seen him, he'd been, he'd been working for John Albee Skews and, you know, trying to sell me Kayla Tremolos and all that sort of thing. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so when I ran into him, he was then one of the directors with Barnes & Mullins. And... Uh, we got chatting and they came and saw the guitars and uh, asked if I'd like to, to, to actually get involved in their uh, seed of a project at the time, which was Faith. Yeah. Uh, so what we did was we built a few Faith Carolinas. So Faith branded acoustics built in America. Yeah. And then a little while later, when we decided to make the move back to England, uh, I called Brian and actually told him about it. And they said, um, they said, you know where you're moving to? We, we haven't got a clue. We're just going to see where we land. And they said, well, why don't you, why don't you move in with us? We're in Oswestry. Street. And my first sort of question was, where's, where's oh Oswestry? Street? <laughs> um, so it was great, though, because uh, having, having a home to move to, you know, having a place to actually move to rather than having to work out of another basement yeah, um, was absolutely fabulous. And being around other people in a professional capacity that are in the same sort of business or in music industry at least, it's really good. Um, so it really works out well. And then I got back and then they sort of said, why don't you become more involved with Faith and do some design work for us? And then so... It, so I did the redesign on series two of Faith, and uh, that works out really, really well. Just as an aside, I remember when Barnes and Mullins took Faith guitars to the first ever Nam show, and I was chatting mm-hmm. to um, Alex, the uh, as you know, but the listeners don't, the marketing director at Barnes and Mullins, and I was like, "How's yeah. it going?" And he went, "We hadn't clicked that a guitar called Faith in America would just fly off the shelves." <laughs> and just like, <laughs> "Oh yeah." so so what when you're doing the the sort of like redesign of the faith guitars i mean are are you building prototypes in oswestry and then kind of deconstructing them so they because i i can't remember where they're made china indonesia or, or whatever is that how it works that you actually build a prototype in the uk and then the plans are passed on to a third party manufacturer Sometimes it works in different ways. Uh, a lot of the work that I did was basically um, basically building parts, as it were, mm. or saying, look, look, this is how we do it on our own guitars. Why don't you copy this, like the neck joint and things like, yeah. like that, uh, or the bracing pattern? 
So we were able to send them drawings of how we wanted them built, built, let them do the sort of prototypes and then sending them to us. And then we either approve them or, or we actually uh, liaise with them to say what needs uh, adjusting, you know. Um, and then other guitars are direct copies of ones that we were already building here. Right, right. So we could, we could send them a guitar. I'm not sure we ever did, at, did actually do that. But um, the way it normally works is that we send a drawing and then we can spend some time on email or Skype or whatever it is. And uh, they'll do their own, their own prototypes and they'll ship them to us. Have you had to go out to their factory and kind of advise, or has it just been UK-based? I've been out there a few times. I don't know um, whether advise is the right word. (laughs) 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 They're pretty good, you know. Um, But it's a nice place. I mean, it's a small – it's a large workshop, small factory, you know. (laughs) Uh, They've got about 100 employees, and they've all – been there for donkey's years and they the the working conditions are really good you know and they work good hours and they have good holidays and pensions and all the rest of it you know it's not what a lot of people think think about about production over there you know um so it's nice it's a great workshop and we've been been working with them for years now you know yeah, I mean, I've, I've, in fact, I was playing one um, yesterday. We've got, because um, I work at this um, <coughs> music, music university in Birmingham, BIM, uh, and yeah. it's, it's got gear all over, the just tons of gear everywhere. Whatever room you walk into, there's gear just lying around. And we've got, um, a, it's one of the jumbo size ones. Is that Neptune? It's like, a, it's one of the Naked series. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a brilliant acoustic guitar. I mean, everybody loves it in the building. You know, it's the, probably the most picked up guitar in the building. Right. It's good to know. Yeah, and they are, for what they are, ridiculously cheap, really, aren't they? Well, I think they're fantastic value, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And we do, like, a few limited runs where the price is a little bit higher. Yeah. But there's still, I mean, Alex has done this sort of comparison chart before where we look at just the the actual specs of them, what you get for your money compared to like you know other unknown unnamed large american brands and they do stack up really really well yeah yeah and i suppose then that goes on to they relaunched share gold as well didn't they and you were involved in that yes yeah which is nice to be doing doing an electric guitar and uh that's an ongoing thing you know um started with with masquerader and then we did the single cut, um, and now we've got um, further projects that we're working on as well. With that, have you got like an original 60s, I suppose, Shergold that you kind of use as the base? I mean, it, you know, I, I would imagine the construction is completely different to the original Shergolds. Yes, we do. We have um, an original Shergold masquerader in the building. It's in Brian's office, actually, uh, hanging on the wall. Um, I'm not sure what year it is. I think they're later than you realise. Oh, they're right, okay. kind of they're kind of mid to late seventies and into the early eighties, I think. Oh right, okay. But what we didn't do was we didn't stick slavishly to the original design. Mm. A few of the bits of hardware and electronics and things are no, no longer available anyway. They're just not manufactured. Um, and uh, I wanted to make it a bit more acceptable for the modern market, as yeah. it were. Because the original, like the original Masquerader was very Marmite. And even the even the redesign that we did is fairly Marmite. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's at least Vegemite. <laughs> but um so uh, that, that yeah, makes so a lot of sense because the guitar had it had the, the the company not gone away, there would have been a transition anyway, wouldn't there? They would the instruments would have de- developed over time and they would have modified and they would have they would have evolved. That's that's normal. That's a, yeah, yeah, that is you know. absolutely right, and I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, and if they, they were still making I'm Allegros. Sure. They probably wouldn't look like the Allegro you drove up the M1. <laughs> possibly, possibly not, well. not. I mean, you, you only have to look at the Mini and the yeah, what, the, the Mini's a great Fiat, example. Fiat 500. Yeah, yeah, but Mini's a great so example. So what? 
what 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 uh what manufacturers and uh designers aim to do is to keep the spirit and the vibe of the original design that, that everybody loved uh but to bring it up to date and make it more usable and relevant in the modern world i suppose now the guitar business as you i'm sure you understand is a really really weird retrospective industry yes. where everybody wants what they believe was something from the golden era in the late 50s and early 60s mm. and um finding a really good example of a guitar of that age is very difficult i mean a lot of them are not that good you know um and uh i used to see the example of uh now what was it the um can't think of the make of car now but there was a japanese car and they brought out this roadster in the early 90s and it was supposed to be like the old mgs and things you know yeah. um but it had the spirit of that but it didn't break down and the ventilation worked properly and they performed well and the brakes worked and everything you know yeah so unlike the sort of more modern mini you know it's built in germany and, and everything so 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 the idea is that it keeps that sort of vibe and that and that uh, that um, sort of appeal that everybody loved, but that you make something that's hopefully better built and that works and is more reliable. Well, it uh, brings and, us on to your current lineup now, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. you can clearly see where the influences have come from, and they certainly have the spirit of those instruments, but they are a more refined version of those instruments, I think. Well, they're they're unashamedly derivative okay um and, and i mean we can do original guitars if we want um and we might be doing that soon but but the, but um what we are trying to do is along the same lines of take that sort of original original vibe and bring it up to date somewhat you know yeah. so we make little little twists in the uh, design and uh, do our own, our own, our own thing. Put our own stamp on it. I was, I was looking at um, your. Now, is it Macon? Macon. 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 Yeah. I mean, first of all, um, where does where's the name come from? Because I typed Macon into Google, and I've got it's French for builder, and I thought, oh, that's maybe where it came from. It's, it's interesting. Also a, it's also a wine. Um, it's also a Hebrew word. It's also smoked salmon. Uh, sorry, smoked mutton and bacon together. It's a city in Georgia and a city in France. And I was like, I don't. None of these really make sense other than builder. Well, it's a town in North Carolina as well, and right. uh, and it's always been place names, you know, all the way through our through through my whole sort of guitar building career. Really, oh, of course, started off, the Berlin and the New York. Start off with a with a with the actual Berlin, which when you think about it was just when the wall was coming down and everything. So it was very relevant at the mm. time. And then, so we used, because I think the reason was Andrew said, look, if we use place names, then we can't, then they can't be like the name can't be registered. You can't run in, run into any problems using a place name because it's place name, right? Yeah. You're not going to tread on anyone's feet. So it went, you know, Berlin, New York, LA, and then the bass was called the Milan. And then uh, when I built the Archtop guitars, I named them after rivers. So we had the Derwent and the Air and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then with the electrics, we went back to, well, with the flat top acoustics, they were named after places in North Carolina. So Saluda and Ottawa and Canuga, they're all kind of, they all sound a little bit Cherokee because they are. Yeah. Uh, they're all they're all places in North Carolina, and um, and then we just kept with the with the sort of place name theme, you know, with yeah. the electrics. So and so we got Macon. That is obviously a place in Georgia, famous for the whole race things and everything, you know. Um, and um, and believe it or not, ninety six is actually the, the name of a place. Really. Also. Yeah, yeah. Where, where's ninety six? Uh, I don't know. You'll have to look sure it on the map. I think it's in. I think you it's go in past North 95 Carolina. And before you get <laughs> yeah. to ninety seven, surely <laughs> it's the name yeah. of the town. 
I promise wow. you. Yeah. I, I'm assuming then in America it means it was actually became a town in 1896 or something like that. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, Who wow. knows? But we but I just thought, you know, like I don't like it's not too sort of cleverly worked out or anything. We don't have like a like a like a gang of marketing experts to sit down and do any research. We just like, you know, uh, we just sit around and basically try and come up with a fairly usable, decent name and go with that. So, so you've got the Oz as well, haven't you? Is that Oz Oz is just short for Osbestry. Ah, hmm. uh, I see. I thought it was short for Australia. But I'd have gone with Oswestry if I was guessing. Yeah, yeah, I suppose I didn't really think about it, of course. Oh, I feel really stupid now. All right, moving on. <laughs> so um, before we started recording, you gave us a bit of a, a visual tour on Zoom around the, the building and so on. Uh, and you showed us a prototype. Are we allowed to talk about the prototype or have we just got to pass over that and just go? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we've got uh, got a prototype, make on, single cut semi in build so it's um kind of solid just in the center where it needs to be for the pickups and the Mm. bridge and everywhere else is completely hollow so like Um, a 335 sort of thing sort of thing yeah and the uh top and the back obviously they're carved but they're carved from the inside as well as the outside yeah so uh, where the F-holes are, you see the edge of the F-holes, it's about five millimetres thick. Right. And it's got a carved back as well. This is the thing. So it won't have a back plate. And we've just been, the last couple of days, we've just been <laughs> wrestling with the, with the size of the F-holes and, um, and talking a lot to Kieran, who's going to be the main guy responsible for getting those pots and switches in through the F-hole, <laughs> uh, which nobody really enjoys, let's face it. No. Okay. <laughs> so when are we likely to see this available? Is this like, does this take 12 months when you're prototyping? Or Well, we got a couple on order for uh, a shop in Barcelona, our dealers over there, Fanatic Guitars. Mm. And they should have been finished last year. No, not last year. They should have been finished earlier this year. Mm. And we just haven't had the available time. So we're now trying to make it happen. And uh, we're, not, we're not really very good at building lots of prototypes before we actually jump in mm. with both feet. But that is an actual 3D proper prototype body just to check that all the geometry works as we think it's going to work. I mean, when you, when you do things... Our guitars these days, they're all kind of drawn on AutoCAD first so we can check all the uh, geometry and, and we know that the bridge is going to fit where the bridge goes and that the pots are going to fit and everything else. So we can see that it'll work. But, but you still, there's, there's no substitute for seeing an actual guitar in a three-dimensional form no. for seeing how it's going to look. I mean, does, um, it, does it affect as well? what type of pickups you're going to put in it because you're not going to know how it sounds until it's built. What inevitably happens is we'll make a decision and then we'll build one guitar and then the first first inquiry that we get, someone's going to want different pickups, you know. Yeah. Uh, so we were talking about that as well because it's a little bit closer to a sort of a jazz guitar or something, you know, Sam was saying, Oh, let's just put a mini humbucker in the neck and a piezo bridge and leave it at that. And, you know, and uh, I think someone else was for jewel was for two gold foil style humbuckers, like super mm-hmm. low output. Yeah, yeah. Humbuckers, which might be a cool way of going. See, I thought um, about filter trons when I saw it. I thought, they'd, yeah. They'd work quite nicely in it. That'd be it, very cool. Where are your pickups from? Are they Mojo, are they? Yeah, we use Mojo and we use Cream Tea. Right, okay. As our two stock, you know, pickups. Mm. And if somebody wants another make of pickup, another brand or something, then they're welcome to, to you know, post those to us and we can use them. But it doesn't happen very often. Right. Well, I suppose that people kind of should trust that you know what pickups sound best in your guitars. Yeah, and the pickups that we use are great. I mean, they're great, you know. Mm. Both got sterling reputations in the industry, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
I've been working with the guys at Mojo not quite so long, but I've been working with Mark for years. Mm. You know, we've got a fantastic relationship, and I just trust him to know what he's doing. Cool. Uh, maybe so, we'll have a go at building pickups one day. I keep thinking about it. <laughs> but you need to move I'm to not, a basement somewhere. You need a new basement. I do. I need, I need another basement. <laughs> yeah. I need to dig down from the workshop we're in now. I, I'm getting that. I think this story needs another basement in it at some point. <laughs> It's been too long between basements. <laughs> yeah, I mean, looking at your office, it's just too light and airy. <laughs> <laughs> what's next, really? Well, what, you know, what's Patrick James Eagle Guitars doing moving forward? Moving forward? Um, I think the answer to that is probably just going to be to consolidate on what we do already mm. and sort of refine the line. A little bit. We we haven't got any more physical. Well, I'm just sort of negotiating with Brian for some more space now, but we haven't got much more space that we can we can basically take up where we are, and where like you see that see that wall behind me. Yeah, yeah. That's the order wall. So anyone, so every one of those leaflet holders, that's a month next year. And we're just about filled up next year. Mm. So we're just about any new orders now and going into sort of October, November. Wow. Um, and we've got October, November and December, um, like all two thirds full. So I think we, we only need about another 20 guitars ordered and that's next year booked out. So wow. uh, we're not kind of chasing after sales or anything particularly um i think we just want to work a bit harder on the guitars we already make Mm. and just uh think of ways to make them better make them more efficiently um uh set the workshop up so that we will have more fun while we're doing it uh which is important (laughs) because you know like if it becomes a chore right building guitars then i think it reflects in the finished guitar, Mm. the instrument, you know? Uh, And if everyone's having fun and, you know, coming up with ideas and doing interesting things, then it's all good. Excellent. And that's the way it needs to be. Cool. I I do, I was slightly concerned for the lads in Barcelona or whoever they are in Barcelona (laughs) when I saw your your order wall because they're they're never going to get that. (laughs) I think you need to, you know, pop a special little Barcelona sheet in there. Barcelona month. Yes, yeah. Barcelona month if need be. If and need if you be, need yeah. anybody to, to take them over, I'm more than happy to do that. Right. I love Barcelona. Okay. <laughs> well, we could, we, we could go and record a pod, Chase. We could go and, you know, record the reactions of Atlantic Guitars as they get their, <laughs> as they get their new eggles. Well, any excuse, got, eh? Yeah, uh, any Absolutely, excuse. any excuse. <laughs> it's a fantastic place. It is. It is a great place. <laughs> If only there was some way to get some decent food and a nice cup of coffee, though. You know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. I had a job interview but, once for a company in Barcelona, and they flew me out. It was the first time I'd ever flown business class anywhere, which was a remarkable experience. And then they put me in a suite in a five-star hotel, took me around the factory where they wanted me to be the salesperson for in England, Spent a load of money on food. They even bought me cigarettes, which, of course, in Spain is like about two quid sort of thing. And um, and they offered me the job, and I turned them down, having had that wonderful <laughs> weekend <laughs> free in Barcelona. <laughs> and that, and on the back of that story, that's the last time anybody's going to treat you that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, kind of work for myself now, don't I? So it's all over. <laughs> Freedom. Freedom. Or so you think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Pat, thanks for thanks for finding the time. Um, I'm the, the, the only question I've got, or the only thing I've got left, I'm really intrigued about, is I'm desperate to know who you're going to see tonight, but you don't know either. So <laughs> there's no point I'll, following up on that. I'll, um, I'll ping you a message. I'll let you know. Right. Excellent. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> it's, well, all I know is the guy that's doing the driving arranged it. And he's got pretty decent taste. Right. Uh, so I trust his taste and uh, we'll just see. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be blues. So it'll be a small club 
full of grey-haired old men <laughs> <laughs> and uh, real ale. I think that's what it's going to be. That doesn't sound too <laughs> bad for a night out. That's the worst <laughs> way to spend an evening. <laughs> It's our age. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there anything else before, no, I, before no. I toddle off? We'll, we'll, we'll take that. Is there anything else as a nice way to finish? As a good way well, to Well, I had to fill I had to fill the silence with something. Yeah. <laughs> we normally leave. What that. else would you like to fun. know? I can't think of anything. What, what no. football team do you support? I used to support Arsenal. Right. Okay. Why are you just being, you know, just being the well? Because I don't really follow the leagues right. anymore. I sort of, sort of, you know, when the World Cups on, I, I get reignited like a lot of people. But you know, I used to support Arsenal when I was a kid, just because they were the local kind of the most local North London team, I suppose. Yeah. It was that or Watford or Luton. So you know. Yeah. 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 I can That's see why you chose Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I get that. I get that. <laughs> There can't be a lot of football really around Oswestry, is there? Well, there's down. Wrexham. There's Wrexham that oh, those, two, oh, those yes. two Hollywood guys have just yes. bought. It's Ryan Reynolds, isn't it? Ryan Reynolds and his mate have just bought Wrexham. And yeah. <laughs> it just seems a bit odd. It's a great story, that. They actually do. They, they come and watch, don't they? They actually yeah, do, they do take an interest. They do. And with no, no like, you know, not to upset anybody from Wrexham but it was like have they seen Wrexham do they know I mean it's not quite like Hollywood no 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 No, you just just go past the the sports direct and it's a bit further on isn't it I mean it's not that's it yeah (laughs) yeah it's funny enough because the 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 coach of my eldest son's football team used to play for Wrexham really there you go football chat Football chat, football chat on nine to forty-two. Fantastic football chat with Patrick Eggle. No, anyway, Patrick, thank you very much. It's been, it really has been superb. We will wrap it up there. Um, and uh, and as I say, thanks, thanks for your time. And that that whistle, whistle stop Zoom. In fact, if, if we've got the recording of that, might even see if we can edit that bit of video with no audio on it and and, and share it with people. That kind of whistle stop thing. Yeah, sure. Okay with you. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. See if we can speed it up and put Benny Hill music on. Yeah, well, it. well, I was just thinking that. <laughs> I was, just, I was just, just thinking for us that would that would work quite quite well, wouldn't it? Really. Or something yeah. from Carry On with yeah. our background. But um, yes, uh, well, thanks a lot, and we will no doubt speak to you soon, Jace. I'll talk to you and on. All right, mate. Bye bye. Cheers, guys. And that was Patrick Eggle. And the only reason we're talking to you now is because, as per, <laughs> we've forgotten. We terrible. <laughs> I know. I know. We've, the thing is, I mean, we've got a, a reputable company, a PLC, no less, who've offered to sponsor and continue to sponsor this podcast, and we can't even remember to thank them. I know. It's terrible, isn't it? I, and to make matters worse, I mean, I spoke to um, two of them on Friday. Which is appalling, isn't it? Well, I suppose we'd recorded that one by then. Ah, that's true. Patrick had been recorded by then. Because we recorded Patrick on Wednesday, didn't we? Yes, yes, we did. Last week. So that's not an excuse. No, uh, no. No, it's not an excuse. It's just terrible. Um, So apologies to Focusrite, who continue to support the podcast, even though we're relatively shit at either plugging their product or them. But we did warn them right at the very start. We did. We did say we'd be about, well, we said we'd be about like this, didn't we, really? Yeah. We haven't lied at any point. No, no. No, so in which case then, I'm going to bring this around again. Focus right, you're pretty much getting what you expected. <laughs> and and you've not had the decency to say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, they have. They have, have said they? thank you, yeah. Well, they say thank you to you, you see. They well, don't want to have anything to do with me. It's understandable. Oh yeah, it's fair. <laughs> it's absolutely fair. I'm uh, I'm not allowed out, am I? I'm really? the Grand Fromage. Yes, you are indeed the Grand Fromage. Um, but uh, what a, what a great chat that was with Pat. We both listened back to it today, haven't we? And it was uh, a really nice. Yeah, yeah, it was quite funny. Yeah, and he did he did tell me uh, he did send me an email with who he was going to see. Um, and I've completely forgotten. Right, but it okay. was very much in the vein of 
a blues artist that I suspect got grey-haired gentleman watching in a little club. Right, so real ale and an extended uh, extended pentatonic wank fest. Quite possibly, yes. Right, okay. What a great name for a blues band. <laughs> no. Extended pentatonic wank fest. It's not going to work on a poster. Um, is it not? <laughs> no. All right, okay. I think it depends where you are. I don't think anybody in Darlington would give that a second glance. No, no, no. Where was he going? Stourport on seven, was it? He was going Stourport, something like yeah. That. Yeah, cool. Well, we've we've since then, we've recorded another one, haven't we? We, we chatted to Paul Lacey. No, Paul Sayer. Paul Sayer. Where have I got Lacey from? Oh, I have no idea. Where's Paul Lacey? I don't know where that's come from. <laughs> yes, we chatted to Paul Sayer from the Temperance Movement. That's right. It was. Yes. Sorry, Paul. I do apologise. I'm still in the. I'm still coming down from my COVID booster. Oh, yeah. Did you? Did you have side effects? I took a turn for the worse yesterday afternoon. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Another horrible football? afternoon and evening. No. The, well, I, the, the we didn't lose, so the the football was was a you know a, a bit of a that was a bit of a shock to the system. It was a thrilling nil nil, wasn't it? It was a thrilling nil nil. Yes, against Coventry. And then uh, and then I took a turn for the worst. I started feeling a bit rough at the football, and then I had a horrible afternoon and evening, uh, and a really weird night's sleep. Um, but it was fine this morning. Oh, good. So it is that kind of eight twelve hour sort of thing. You know, um, I'll look forward to it. Yeah, in, uh, but yeah, ten yeah. days time. It wasn't awful in the way that you predicted. So uh, <laughs> you know, um, you know, it was it was just it was one of those things. Anyway, we better wrap up because we're talking nonsense, aren't we? Yes, you are. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, we'll see you next time for um, Paul Sayer. Paul Sayer. Yes. Temperance movement. In, indeed. And we'll have to try and find out if Paul Lacey is an artist that we can perhaps <laughs> talk to in the future. <laughs> okay. We'll get him on. Oh, what a knobber. <laughs> oh, dear. All right, Jace. I'll see you soon. See you, mate. <laughs> Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production. Hold up. 